dangerously close. This episode was brought to you by William Mitchell Audio. And did you know that Christmas movies can be made at different times of the year besides Christmas? I recently learned that because William Mitchell Audio is doing the sound for a Lifetime original Christmas movie literally hundreds of days before Christmas. And that's a fun fact you can bring up at dinner parties. But here's another fun fact. William Mitchell Audio brings professionalism and excellence to every project. So go to williammitchellaudio.com. My guest today is Judy Jean Kwan. Judy Jean Kwan is an actor, director, and producer. She grew up in a Korean-American video store where she fell in love with the art of filmmaking and storytelling. Born and raised in Los Angeles, she split her time between Korea and America as a child. Not feeling like she belonged anywhere, she turned to music and the arts. She started acting at 17 and went on to a successful commercial career, breaking the mold for Asian-American actors by taking on non-stereotypical roles. Kwan has appeared in numerous films and television series and acted in more than 100 commercials. She co-directed, wrote, produced, and stars in the scripted comedy series, Milfriend, about the clashes of culture, color, and class among moms in gentrifying Venice Beach. She studied cinema at Los Angeles City College, photography at Santa Monica College, and writing at UCLA. She is passionate about giving voice to the voiceless and the underdogs about women's rights and about telling immigrant stories. What's up, Jody? Hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm I'm glad that you know this. Uh, I have a little bit of an issue, but it's it's getting better and better all the time. Where when I try to read people's bios, I just I just butcher them, and I don't mean to. But... Oh no, you did a great job. You did an amazing job. <laughs> I I do want to let everyone know uh, the. The level of work that it took both of us to be together on this podcast today, uh, because so we had, like, I guess it's been like we've been we've been talking for weeks, and yeah, and I just couldn't wait to have you on because I, like I said to you before we started, like I've watched all your stuff and I really enjoy it, and you know I'm kind of a fan and stuff, but oh thank so, you. <laughs> so we had so originally we had a date <clears throat> set and. Uh, you had an emergency on your farm because you have uh, moved oh, yeah. to a new farm in Hawaii. And yeah. I was like, I was like, cool, well, let's just knock it to the, the the next week. And you were like, cool, let's do that. Then here yeah. in Nashville, and then this happens, I mean, every other year or so, but Nashville gets ice storms that are crazy. And it knocked out my internet. And I think it was uh, when the technician came by, they were like, the, a car crashed into like, I guess a telephone pole or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so I was without internet for a really long time. Yeah. And then I have to tell everybody that what I did today that was so messed up is that so we were like, OK, the first we had, we both had a couple of uh, hometown emergencies. And then I was like, well, let's do this next one. And then I completely sent you like we agreed on a time and I sent you this the Zoom link for the wrong time. That's <laughs> like, so good. It like worked out wrong, here. wrong by hours. <laughs> <laughs> You were so cool about the whole thing. Uh, as long as I could, I could make it in time to get my kid, so he's not staying standing um there and the principal's <laughs> calling me. It's all yeah. good. Well, it was uh, just and I, like I said to you, like once before we started too, I was just like, I was like, oh, I got time to take my dog to the park and you know get her to run around and you know do and I was gonna like uh, look at some of what I'd written for our interview too and just kind of like familiarize myself with what I'd written and then I checked my email just something told me to do it and it was you. And you were like, uh, hey, you sent me this other time. And I was like, 
uh oh. <laughs> but I'm I'm here. Uh, it all worked out. And even with the Mother Nature disasters, because I know you were going through the cold snap, but I had major floods here. It was so crazy that it actually broke the gauge here on on our uh, bridge, which is like uh, I don't know when the last time that's have happened. Probably 2018 floods, which was really bad. You know. Yeah. I mean, so uh, your uh, your farm is. Um, Pretty brand new, right? And yeah, well, right. I'm I'm I, I wouldn't say I have a quite a farm yet. I'm trying to build a farm, so it's and and it's off the grid. So, oh my god, the off the grid thing is a bitch. <laughs> I, I loved an email that you sent to me because after our first, uh, you know, after your farm uh, disaster and then my. Uh, ice storm disaster you said uh welcome to off the grid <laughs> yeah, that's what and it i truly is. was we didn't have heat either uh my uh yeah. my hvac system one of the like, I, I didn't understand i actually have a friend who does that he had i was down in my crawl space crawling around in mud because i don't have a finished basement so i'm just like uh, in yeah. mud like with like three feet of clear space well, i know mud <laughs> and, he was, and it's, it was, well fortunately it was so cold that it was more ice mud and he was oh, trying to oh. talk me through it but i just couldn't like i honestly uh he had, to, he had to come by and actually look at it because I was like, I don't know what, like, down there with a flashlight, just. <laughs> yeah, I say everybody that is on the grid with electricity and water, you guys are all entitled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, you man. don't know until you don't have it. You're like, oh my God, this really sucks. <laughs> uh, but uh, speaking of like, so I know, uh, I know you moved to Hawaii and it's uh, somewhat recently because, uh, You've been in LA being an actor for a long time. Uh, mm -hmm. What what part of Hawaii are you in? Like, it's not even. I'm in Kauai, Kauai, which is the most uh, uh, green. It's called a Green Island because Green Isle because it's very green and because it rains a lot, I like love a that. lot. So the flood flooding is a, a common occurrence it seems during the winter time, and yeah. I, I cannot tell you how much I love Hawaii. I'm and I'll, even. Especially when I was like uh, in here, like freezing to death, wearing like my all my hoodies and all my coats at the same time. I was like, oh, man, because <laughs> we were talking on email. I was like, I want to be there. Uh, yeah, Hawaii is definitely, I feel like, a treasure of the United States. Oh, the, yeah. You know, so it's 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 a beautiful place, you know. Um, uh, even when I have a tough day, I look up and there's a rainbow, sometimes a double rainbow, which kind of makes it all better. <laughs> You're like, oh, this I could do this. And for me, I, I love to surf too. So, and then, oh, you're a surfer. I've only been, I've been fortunate enough. I mean, I shouldn't say only have been, I've been fortunate enough to be able to go to Hawaii twice in my life. Uh, and, oh. uh, one time was very great because my friend, he's a marine biologist and I had known him here when he was in grad school. And when he was out there, he was like, yeah, man, you can stay on my couch. And so I was able to do Hawaii the affordable way, which is get a plane ticket there and then have which island was that uh that was uh honolulu honolulu nice all right yeah, I, I don't know a lot about surfing because i don't surf but i would like to take it up oh i was gonna ask you because <laughs> i i've read some of your blog and stuff and i know i know that you paddleboard is that or yeah i've i've paddleboard but i'm like i haven't been on that for months because i mean being off the grid, like I said, it's very time consuming because I'm back to the dinosaur era or I'm having to do everything manually. It's, it's very time consuming. And then on top of it, trying to build a farm and everything, it's just, oh, no, now the rains are coming. <laughs> do you, do you <laughs> have a roof? Here. Yes, I do have a roof, but, you know, the rains <laughs> don't come straight down. They come sideways and stuff, you know. Well, so, so. Yeah, this, 
this podcast oh. this podcast is all audio so there's no video video components so people can't see that okay, uh, all right, you're, you're actually awesome. outside <laughs> I, I am outside on my patio okay let me move back because uh if it starts coming in sideways it's, uh, <laughs> so uh yeah listeners if you hear anything crazy that is the gnarly weather that judy's dealing with right now and uh she's literally outside in Kauai kicking it on this podcast and it looks actually like from what I can see, it looks like the weather is beautiful there, though. Oh, it is. It comes and goes. Like, the sun came up. It's just so intense. Everything changes on a split second. Like, it was sunny, and now it's raining, and then the wind's going to blow, and then, I don't know, you know. <laughs> I, <laughs> there's there's never a dull moment. <laughs> can I ask you kind of a silly Hawaii question? Uh, if I know it, I mean, I'm not an expert. I think, but okay. well, you're a mom, so I think you will. Yes. You, I think you might have an opinion, and uh, okay. it's this. I, I have a. I have an opinion uh, mm-hmm. on this one. <clears throat> uh, which do you think is a better movie, uh, Moana or Lilo and Stitch? You know what? I'm so bad. I haven't seen either of those. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't like. You know, I've I've cut the cord a while back, and I know it's not on the cord, but still, like I've. I haven't been watching a lot of movie lately. Just the other day, actually, I treated myself and watched two um, Korean movies. But like, uh, I've, I've, I've just kind of uh, haven't been like really on top of watching all the films that are out. And uh, I don't know, Disney's all good, but I'm, I'm kind of a little old for that. And oh, yeah, unless absolutely. my kid's forcing me to watch it. <laughs> like, I'm like, I don't. I just to watch Disney. I thought maybe just like you may have may have like just been a, as being a parent, you might have been like, okay, I have to watch. Yeah, well, I have like, a son, not a daughter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Nana's like geared toward girls, right? I don't know if my son. Well, The Rock is in it. Oh, The Rock. Okay, All The right. Rock is uh is Maui. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. Well, uh, speaking, yeah. Of, uh, you said you watched some uh, Korean, new Korean films lately. Uh, what do you what are you into? Because uh, they're like I, I am absolutely loving. The fact that like uh, Korean films are now like getting mainstream in America, and yeah. I was I was first introduced uh, the the movie The Host. I guess maybe like yeah. ten years ago. Mm-hmm. It's about yeah. about that long, maybe a little bit longer. Really, has it been that long already? It might be a little bit longer, actually. Uh, man, it Time might flies. actually be longer yeah. than I, I honestly I don't off the top of my head I don't recall it. I, I saw it in in theaters. I saw it like at the uh, but back then it was like. You said you had to go to like an independent movie theater, and that's where yeah. I saw that. And I was like, "Oh, this yeah. is fucking amazing!" Like, like I had no idea that Korea was like uh, producing films that are this amazing. But now are everyone knows. Korean movies are so good. I mean, they've been around for a long time. It's, I mean, it's just finally coming to the American market, and Americans are realizing it. But Koreans have been making great films for a long time. So did the Japanese and the Chinese, the Hong Kong films. I mean, I love them. And even even the dramas, you know, I don't know, AKA soap operas, I guess, but their drama, the Korean dramas are so addictive. Literally, because, um, you know, I grew up in a Korean video store uh, that also had American video movies. So it's a Korean American video store. Um, so, I mean, I grew up watching a lot of the dramas, but what, what we do in the Korean video stores is you give the first episode to a customer for free and you're hooked. So, like, yeah. uh, the Koreans <laughs> were doing that before, like, Netflix came and, you know, where it's, you know, where you just binge watch. Binge watching watching was a thing with the Korean culture and the Asian culture um, for decades, decades. And literally, they're so good at it. They're so masterful 
masterful at it. Um, if once you start one episode, literally, I would stay up for days and they don't just go 10 episodes, 20 episodes. I mean, they go to like 150, 200 episodes. And I would, I would like go a week without sleeping, maybe two hours of sleep just to try to get to the next episode because they just always leave you with this cliffhanger that is like you have to watch the next part to see yeah. what's going on and and you're so hooked so um yeah like uh, the korean storytelling um is is really good and you know also in korea a lot of the writers most of the writers are women so um they know how to tell these nuanced stories um and, and it's not like you know like kind of more hollywood where it's more action driven and more uh, I guess masculine, you know. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it speaks to a lot of women. Also, it's just that you just can't turn it off, <laughs> you know. I, it's so funny that you said that because uh, on for on this op, on this podcast we do like some bonus episode things that are kind of coming out now. And one of the first ones I so I have like friends that like are experts in things that have been past guests, and I had them come on. But the very first one is actually my friend who's he's a he's like a, he's a world renowned chef, and he's like cooked for like Arnold Schwarzenegger like on mm-hmm. the terminator movies and stuff and i was like hey man you, like, you want to watch a, like a, a a culinary movie and he was like no i, I want to watch the lost boys which is that 1987 yeah uh, it's like a vampire movie and i was like all right well, like, I'll, sure and then I, and it's what you were saying it's it kind of speaks to that because I, I just watched it last night so it's really fresh in my mind mm-hmm. this movie has two female like uh people like other than people that are like extras mm-hmm. like that have like speaking lines it's the mom mm-hmm. who's a bumbling idiot and mm-hmm. the love interest who has is just has no nothing. Mm-hmm. It's just it's you know so. Lost Boys. Okay, I have to check it out. It's I like Ke- it's like Kiefer Sutherland when he was like a teenager. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I can't say that it's a great Classics. movie, but I I can say that it's a vibe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have a dog staring at me, and he just put a ball next to me, and he's just looking us out the eyes right now. Like, no, but you got, like. I, You've got me. I always love to hear about like new sh- stuff I should check out. Like you know, because uh, I-, I love film and I love uh, you know just I love the craft of it and like a lot of what I know. But like clearly, it's just like the stuff that's big right now from mm-hmm. like uh, like Train to Busan or uh, Parasite. Mm-hmm. You know, like well, yeah, but I mean, you need to go back even further and look at all the um, the uh, you know like Mr. Vengeance, Mrs. Vengeance. Um, Oasis is one of my favorite, but not a lot of people know about that. Um, I, I, there's a whole sleuth of just Korean, uh, you know, Korean films that are so amazing. But I wanted to also make a point that people get confused with Korean films and Korean American films because there's also a lot of Americans living, uh, Korean Americans living in America, where our stories are very different from the Korean st- um, stories, you know. Yeah. And the- very distinctively different kind of filmmaking and um uh i mean korean american films is not as prevalent because we don't have the we don't get the support that we need to get our stories out although now like i think there's uh, minari just came out and um i hope hopefully we're in the trajectory of getting more of those stories out but you know when um okay i'm getting old so i'm blanking what's that film that just won the oscar last year the korean film that was parasite yeah parasite right so then when parasite came out i know everybody was like oh well finally diversity and inclusion all stuff i'm like no bitch in korea korean people have korean stories (laughs) you know they're not underrepresented in korea you know that's not korean american it's a very two very different things 
I like you know? there was a, there was something so so uh old uh shithead uh disgraced disgraced uh, ex president Donald Trump had some negative words to say about Parasite. I don't know why the fuck he did because you know he obviously mm-hmm. didn't watch it. And yeah. it was um, I loved the director had a you know something a little comeback to say and he's like he's like yeah obviously you don't want to watch this movie because you can't read. And but uh but that's actually something that, that I that I enjoy. <laughs> Yeah, dude, I was like, I was like, yeah, going hard on this dude. But it's something that I do enjoy about watching, uh, like uh, Korean films that are like that are from Korea, is that because mm-hmm. I have to watch subtitles. I don't speak. Yeah, uh, I barely speak Spanish, and it's like that's you know, I'm not even bilingual. I'm like, you know, but I, you know, I've made a point to learn <laughs> enough Spanish to where I feel like I can get by with it if I, you know, you could order food at a restaurant, right? Yeah, I mean, I can, I can hang in Mexico. Like, people, okay, cool. People, or cool with me in Mexico, like with what oh. I get, what, what I got, but still, it's. Sorry, it's you hear that buzzing? That's my porta potty guys <laughs> off the grid. Uh. Oh, oh, all I was just trying to say is that uh, uh, there's like it's it's kind of refreshing to watch a film where you truly have to watch it because you can't play on your phone at the same time, mm-hmm. or else you can't read the subtitles, and then you're going to the dialogue, yeah. you're going to miss the whole movie. Yeah, and it's. I think it's a bad habit that. Not, not only I've been, you know, lots of people have developed uh, more these days where like, even when you're watching a film that you really are enjoying, because we don't yeah. run theaters with this, you know, the pandemic. And yeah. so you're half on your phone, you're half watching the movie. And it's kind of like, that's a. Well, not only that, our game. attention spans getting smaller and smaller now. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for me to sit through an hour and a half film, let alone three hour films. I don't know what Tarantino is thinking, but I'm like, I can't sit through a three hour <laughs> film. I just I can't. You know, I just get so antsy now. I mean, which is kind of sad because, I mean, I used to watch all that stuff. I mean, you know, Stanley Kubrick, all that stuff is very long, you know, and I love those films. But I don't know. I think just with the phone and the digital, the way it is now, our attention span is just shortened. I've I've actually been doing uh, little exercises for myself uh, where uh, something I've been doing more, especially going into this year. Uh, reading books that are very long and dense and hard to read just to get my attention span back. Oh, good idea. <clears throat> it actually is kind of funny because I had no choice whatsoever. I had a guest on the show who was like, he's the world's leading expert on Jack the Ripper. And he sent me his book and it was awesome. Oh, he wow. like from London and it's autographed. And I was like, well, I have to read this. I mean, first of all, that's so kind to do, but also yeah. I have to interview this guy and I don't want to be like, yeah, I read your book and then do that like fake book report in fourth yeah. grade thing <laughs> <laughs> but it was like it was like 500 pages of very very difficult to read it was uh old you know he it was like old academia kind of old, old newspapers like and oh, just tons wow. of it and like uh and then language i didn't understand too like i like mm-hmm. like things i had to look up i'm like what is this yeah but like shakespearean <laughs> <laughs> it, well the funny thing is that we talked about that like in in those times being like a, a journalist for like a like a not good newspaper like something like that nowadays we would consider like tmz mm-hmm. back then those people were like highly educated scholars of the english language but they yeah. would do like trashy tmz type stuff with their craft so it's oh, wow. it's kind of a it's kind of a neat thing to uh do so did they find jack the ripper who was that did, i mean i know there's <clears> a bunch <throat> of speculations but did they even find I am 100% convinced that the man that I interviewed on this podcast through his research has come up with, uh, I would say it's not irrefutable, but the closest guess on who Jack Thurper was is uh, 
He's a big nobody. Uh, just like just like any any serial killer. He's no nobody special. He wasn't the king. He wasn't you know. He wasn't like a, a doctor. Wasn't he? A, no, he wasn't, wasn't a doctor. doctor. He was just an asshole. Just a uh, just a okay. local asshole, and that's a big part psycho of like <laughs> just, a, just a psycho asshole that, yeah. that, that lived in Whitechapel, and he was able to do this because he lived there. It's, oh, that's why it was so fascinating to me. I was yeah. like, oh yeah, just like and yeah, and all his victims were um, people that people didn't care about, which were prostitutes, and you know that, so they didn't care. No, he would go around his neighborhood, and back then, like it was, um, there was a, like poverty was very high. You know, yeah. like and mm-hmm. the cops didn't give a shit about people and. No. You could literally just go stalking around your neighborhood and kill a person and then run home because back then we didn't have yeah. forensics like we have now or, or cameras yeah. or anything. Yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> but hey, <laughs> or iPhones. Oh my God, I just got this guy. <laughs> Judy, so. I'm sorry. Like, because I, because we're here to talk about you and. Oh, you're, okay. You're, I, don't, I, mean, I don't like to talk about myself. <laughs> you, oh, I just wanted to. Can I, can I at least ask you just a little something about. Uh, so I watched your uh, your series that you starred in, mm-hmm. you wrote, you produced, mm-hmm. uh, and I watched. Cold it, yeah. I watched uh, season one of your series, uh, Mill Friend, and mm-hmm. there are many things about it that I like that, that appeal to me. Okay. Uh, because it's fun, and it's colorful, and it's funny, and it's like a little bit trippy at times. Even I would mm-hmm. say, uh, mm-hmm. but but at times it also made me feel a little bit sad. And oh. so, but, but it's an interesting mix. And I didn't fully understand all the elements that were in it until afterward, because you have a very beautifully written uh, autobiography on your mm-hmm. website that I read after I'd already seen, you know, oh. Milfram, which is kind of more like, uh, it's, it's funny and fun and just fun to watch, you know, and then I read yeah. your um, autobiography. And that's when I realized that uh, Milfriend wasn't just something that you kind of like, I feel like you didn't just come up off the top of your head and like for no reason. Yeah. Is it, and I'm not saying like it's semi-autobiographical. I'm not implying that, but well, I mean, just, you're supposed to write about what you know is what they say, you know. Yeah, so. and I feel like uh, it was it was you it was inspired by uh, mm-hmm. true life, like and mm-hmm. I, I could see I could see that from like learning more about you and then comparing that to what I'd seen that you'd created. And mm-hmm. I was going to ask, like, can we talk about a little bit, like, just in order to understand your art? I think it helps to understand who you are as an artist. Is that mm-hmm. like a does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you were born in Los Angeles. Um, mm-hmm. Can you tell us the story of like, early on having been born in America, but traveling back and forth between uh, Korea and America? And what was that like? Well, I mean, uh, 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 back in those days, <laughs> back in those days, like ancient, <laughs> ancient time ago. <laughs> back in uh, the... <laughs> yeah, <right>. um, <laughs> uh, I mean, travel wasn't like a thing. It wasn't like how it is now where it's like kind of like Kmart, you know, Southwest and stuff like that. It was only really for the privileged. And I guess I come from kind of privilege in the in the Korean culture and the Korean background because my mom was a um, Korean-American and she served in the U.S. Army. And then my dad was uh, from a very um, prestigious family. So then that's why I was able to go back and forth. But my parents' um, marriage never really um, they were never really together for long. So I was raised by my grandma. So, but then, you know, when they did try to make it happen, like I lived in South Carolina for a brief period. So I went back and forth, um, a lot. And, um, 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 you know, it's not like the, I know like a lot of the immigrant stories in America, like they want to peg you, like, you know, you came here for a better life and all this stuff, but 
that's not the case for a lot of people. I mean, for me, at least I want to say, you know, not everybody has a black and white kind of a um, story. And, you know, I mean, we, we came here because first of all, my mom was here and my dad met my mom here in, in the United States. And um, uh, my dad chose to bring me and my grandma and my sister to America because he was kind of like, he was in love with the whole idea of freedom and the whole American um, um, dream, you know? Uh, but, you know, he did not have a good um, um, end to his life. I mean, he found out, you know, we went, we, I mean, both my, my, my grandma and my dad went through um, systemic racism and um, met both tragic ends, uh, which was really, really um, um, difficult for me. Um, and, you know, Oh, but and then it's like this whole systemic racism with the I don't know, especially the Asian American culture. It's not so black and white. It's something that you kind of notice when you like look back for me, when I look back at my life and you can see all the how everything went down. It's due to um, the system that that is, you know, you know, that we have to live amongst, you know. And so, um, um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, absolutely. Uh, And and, I mean, like, I'm not going to just go on and on about it, but like America can be a very cruel country as as we see Uh, every day right now. I mean, it's like, like, especially with a lot of immigrant policy for, you know, like at the Southern border and what's going mm -hmm. on with, uh, with all that. So, yeah, but that's why I keep fighting for, um, um, having um voice in the media because i feel like a lot of it starts with the media or maybe a lot of responsibility belongs to the media um because of the way they portray uh people of color and and i and also just you know my husband is white <laughs> so I've, I've also you know seen that part of the world and uh, when i hear racist comments coming from that side i i realize it's because they're not surrounded by anybody that's a person of color and all they know is from what they see in t- on TV and in the media. And if the media don't take the responsibility to like portray people of color as a human and all multidimensional and not just like black and white, um, then that's all they see. All they see are, you know, Chicanos, Hispanics that are criminals and Asians that are prostitutes or, or dry cleaner. You know, I mean, so yeah. uh, so then that's that's how they judge judge you, because that's the only experience they have with a person of color, because, you know, they don't have any person of color as an immediate friend or family, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, no, I yeah, I think uh, that's one of the things in my life that I've been so fortunate is that uh you know, because maybe I would have been a big old piece of shit, you know, if I had been, uh, maybe if I'd been born somewhere where, like, I've been exposed only to white people, and, like, it had, like if that had been, like, the path that I had been forced on, and I could be walking around with a stupid red hat on, being like, keep America white, you know, because this, this, uh, this yeah. fascist uprising that we're having right now, a lot of yeah, that really is, like, what, exactly what you're saying, it's a, it's a media construction in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. And also there's just the system, you know, and, you know, it's just human nature to want to be around people that you're familiar with and that have the same lived in life experience as you, unless you're forced out of it um, to mingle with something that you're not comfortable with. Right. Absolutely. And for me, um, I'm going to L.A. Unified School District. You know, I grew up, you know, going to public schools. That's where because, you know, um, even when I was living in America with my family, it was very bubble, you know, especially being immigrant. You know, you, you kind of create a little bubble for yourself. 
Um, but when I started going to public school, that's when I was exposed to all different kinds of people, you know? So then I, I feel like it's important to get out of uh, your little circle and to explore and, and, and you know, understand other, other cultures and other people, you know? And uh, I guess because your mother was uh, military, right? My mother, yeah. Yeah, so you had to like... Uh... Didn't you have to like 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 because I know like how it is like uh, yeah. I've known people that have had like military parents and you got like you got to move a lot so like you'll get into yeah. school and get kind of comfortable and then I guess the army is like or whatever whatever branch of the military it is and they're like now we're moving you over here and you're in mm-hmm. the kids have to like that's it's probably hardest on the kids. Yeah, well, I mean, I lived in South Carolina, like I said, for a little bit. Um, and I remember it was like in a trailer park, <laughs> specifically for, I think it was for people of color. Because I remember the girl that I used to play with, she was black, but um, um, I didn't speak any English at the time, but we would like mind play all day yeah. kind of thing. But my oh, mom cool. actually, yeah, but my mom wasn't actually in my life much. So, um, and then after that, like she just kind of went her own way. So I was raised by my grandma in, in Koreatown and, and Koreatown is very diverse with Chicano culture and even blacks and Asians and Asians of all diversity, you know, there's, you know, 54, I want to say 54 Asian countries. It's not like Asian is one group of people, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, yeah, you know? yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but um, yeah, I think it's just really important to get out of your bubble and just see other people. And, you know, I like my best friends were chicano growing up <laughs> one of my interviews <laughs> they were like hey uh, uh i don't know one of the questions i was like i'm latina <laughs> I'm like well i'm latina at heart you know so, oh, uh, <laughs> I, I i honestly i'm i have to share a little something because uh so my like my growing up experience like my my two my two main passions you know as, as, a, as a teenager and all that stuff is you know i was a skateboarder that was like, oh, awesome. that's my sport. Like I didn't play any other, like I didn't, like I, I gave up on all organized sports as soon as I fell in love with skateboarding and that took all over. The other thing I really wanted to be was a rapper. And it oh, wasn't wow. like a, it wasn't like a pipe, like, a, like I want to be it. And I just do it in my bedroom. I got out there and did everything I possibly could to get around real rappers and be around people that are dope. And oh, you know, awesome. it's, it's amazing, man. Uh, it's because, because it's just like anything else. It's, it's an art, it's an artistic community and people uh, are really accepting, you know, like I definitely like, took my share of uh you know <laughs> like shit <laughs> that i deserved you know but i got but i got real good you know there for a while man i was performing on stages you know when i got in my 20s like that was actually like oh, a, really? really fucking with my life yeah uh but you know there are like That's a lot of awesome. uh, shitheads out in the world that you know they had a, a word for me that i'm not gonna say on this podcast so i'm <laughs> not gonna say that <laughs> well it's awesome that's like a uh, talent to be able to rap you know you know, like uh, and stuff, right? Well, I guess for like for younger listeners, if you want, if you want, or or not younger, it's just anybody that, if you're curious, like how I like, what I did is I just I I mean, uh, this is something people probably everywhere just do, but like, you know, whatever my fa- favorite rappers were, I memorized every single lyric, I memorized you know every uh, cadence, all that stuff, and I would just practice it over, you know, like their lyrics and their music. Uh-huh. And learn how to get into the pocket and be like, because that's one of the things like, it's one of the first things you notice of someone that sucks at rapping, even if they're smart mm-hmm. and they know how to like make rhymes. If you can't be in the pocket, your shit sucks. And what I like, that's what I was like, the first thing I was trying to do is like, I was like, how can I create, you know, get the, into the, this really great sound? And that's what it is. Yeah. is 
find people that are amazing and yeah. uh, literally just like line for line, word for, you know, second by second, get it to where you can do their shit perfectly and mm-hmm. then transfer that to what you do. So that's, that's my little bit of advice for anyone who wants to be a rapper. <laughs> find <laughs> well, my, all the my, best rappers. <laughs> well, my, my kid's kind of like rapping a little bit. And I was like, wow, that's kind of impressive. You're just making stuff up. But even though it's like just bagging on me, mama, this and that. And I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs> Hold up. It's time for an ad for my own personal lawyer and legal counsel, French Pierre. Hello, it is I, French Pierre, attorney of law. Have you been injured in a tractor trailer accident? Zute law, French Pierre will fight for you. You may be entitled to one million francs and a two night stay at the Fontainebleau Hotel. Sacre bleu, did Donald Trump tell you drink bleach and you didn't, you got very sick. Zute law, do not hesitate, call French Pierre and toi Pierre Francois. You may be entitled to one million francs and a two night stay at the Fontainebleau Hotel. Au revoir, I bid you adieu. Thanks, French Pierre. Uh, I can't wait till I uh, see you again at the Fontainebleau Hotel next time we do a lawsuit. And now back to the interview. I know you answered this a little bit, but I do want to ask, like, what? I mean, because because you had uh, like any you know, a lot of experience around, like, I mean, like international experience moving around, like as a kid. Mm-hmm. But you did choose to live in Los Angeles. Like that's kind of where you stuck with. That's where you went to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there any particular reason like why LA was like, all right, well, this is where I'm going to go. I'm going to get my education here. I'm going to like start my well, adult life. I mean, here. I didn't really have a choice. I was a kid, you know, that's where my dad decided he was going to be. And, um, yeah. you know, LA has the second largest Korean population. That's like the, you know, the largest Korean population outside of Korea. It's I didn't like know that. Over, yeah. I think it's over like a million Koreans in K town. So, I mean, I, I don't know. You could, check the numbers but i know it's a lot it's the second largest so um yeah and there's a big thriving korean community there you could literally like live in koreatown and never even have to speak english all the signs are in korean you know so yeah yeah k-town that's where you go to get good korean barbecue (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome your rooster just went off (laughs) oh yeah my roosters oh there's such a pain in the butt and like i said there's a dog right here i don't know here i'll show you (laughs) look he's just staring at me Oh, he wants me to throw the ball. <laughs> Man, I, I wish I was kicking it in Kauai right now because it is like frigid here. It's so oh, cold. really? What is yeah. the temperature there? Uh, you know, today's actually one of the not so bad days. And also, I'm as a matter of fact, I know I've looked at my stats and I know that I have so many listeners in Canada. And they're going to just tell me to shut the fuck up. So I'm not going to even say it. Because <laughs> also, uh, not just listeners, but I also have just like people that I've known for a long time that have moved to Canada. Yeah. And any of them are going to be like, Doug, shut up. That's not cold. <laughs> well, I'm then, in my tank top, so. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm looking at you. It's all like, it's like, it just like, looks beautiful and warm. Uh, so, but at the same time, I know like in Canada, it's been winter for like seven months and they got seven more months of winter before like, their oh my god it's so crazy this weather <laughs> it's so insane and gnarly i mean man we gotta do something to like save this planet because i don't oh, like yeah. the way uh, well things yeah because things are <laughs> popping off i i'm just i'm glad that there is like we are i don't know how to put this but this like this past year that went by there mm-hmm. was so much just ignorance at the absolute highest level 
uh, trying to like say that climate change doesn't exist and it's still yeah, there. I mean, but I feel like we have a that's been yeah. for like a, I want to say at least over a decade. <laughs> Is it almost two decades where they were saying that that didn't exist? I remember seeing a documentary where um, this uh, a reporter went around asking um, a bunch of people, and they're like, "Oh yeah, global warming doesn't exist because look, it's not hot." <laughs> like, all right. I guess I guess like maybe I said that in a dumb way because I, I I know that they've been denying global warming my entire life because it's been yeah. around since yeah. the industrial industrial age or whatever but i think i just what i what i noticed recently and i'm not sitting here trying to like big ups who's in charge right now or whatever i already get into that kind of politics but i'd make no secret whatsoever how much i despise donald trump and all of those fucking people they made me fucking sick and the fact that he like he took some uh like he took like some like the like the most climate denying like sack of shit dude who had sued the epa like 15 times yeah. and made him the leader of the epa and they'd changed all their websites and so i guess uh, some of i know are, i mean he's um, been destroying the planet well you know <laughs> I, I you know when he was running for president actually i was so upset that i wrote a book because i mean i'm trying i tried to take these things and like rehash it and do something positive with it so then i wrote a children's book called donald the beaver builds a big beautiful wall oh my god that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then oh my god you should have seen the responses though like i had like women um um bashing me going how dare you and all this stuff and i'm like now i want to go back and be like okay how what do you think now bitch yeah, <laughs> so I, I i mean i hate i, I this is I'm trying to turn over a new, a new leaf and and stop trying to, because like I don't want to like always bring up how much I hated those those fucking neo Nazi motherfuckers. But the thing is, uh, when that back in 2016, I was like, no hell, or 2015, you know, I was like, mm-hmm. no, no, this is yeah. bad. This guy's bad. Believe yeah. he's bad. He's bad. Believe oh. he's bad. And then I had uh, it actually, but it was good because it showed me the true colors of a lot of fucking people. Like, yeah. uh, well, you know why I knew it was bad, uh, and I. I <laughs> Uh, and and I, I do some stand-up comedy and it's part of my actually my stand-up is um Donald Trump is my dad you know that <laughs> yeah. was my dad my dad was a narcissist a sexist I mean like everything Donald Trump is so I like as soon as I saw Donald Trump I was like oh my god that's my dad this is not gonna be good I'm yeah, like because you know yeah yeah I see it I'm like a, a, a narcissist you're never gonna win with them all they're gonna just destroy and they'll never take responsibility for any of it and I'm like oh my god like we're in for a we're in for a ride and I was like at least now like I feel like if when I just say that everybody could understand before Donald Trump nobody could understand what I went through <laughs> Like everybody, yeah. like yeah. you guys went through it for yeah. the last four years. Now you did it. That was my life, you know. You know, so. it was, and in some ways, it was a, uh, it was good because it, it helped clean the deck. And like I had said before, like because I, I love, I love, you know, I'm, I'm an outgoing guy, and I love making friends, and you know, like I love having shitloads of friends. But sometimes you end up finding out that some of your friends are fucking Nazis because they had never shown that part of themselves before yeah. until you had that at the highest levels of government, and then they're out yeah. here, and I'm like. And then the, on like social media and stuff, and I'm like, yo, I'm like, I don't accept anything you're saying. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of these like dudes, like you know that I've known, like that used to skateboard with me or whatever. And I always, <laughs> you know, they're not, they're not my best friends. None, of, I would know if someone was my best friend if they were on that level. Mm-hmm. But some of these like outlier friends, mm-hmm. I'm like, fucking block, 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 block. And then <laughs> it's kind of funny because like Facebook is like, uh, it's it's like collapsing because they. 
I mean, for so many reasons, but a lot of it because they were instrumental in the in the Trump thing. It's like it's like a uh, destroying that. I don't platform. know. Is it collapsing? Is it really? I mean, they're they're doing, I think, pretty good in the stock market and whatever that is. Right. That's because they own Instagram. <laughs> I don't know. So maybe it's not collapsing. He he does own 800 acres here. You know what? I'm gonna go ahead and say that I. <laughs> If we're gonna talk about money, then I am so ignorant that I should not get on that. <laughs> yeah, I should not get on it either. I'm ignorant. <laughs> well, I, I think what I mean is just my own personal like. Back in 2016, Facebook was a place that I would often go to like uh, socialize with like you know uh, online, yeah. you know, virtually with people. And mm-hmm. since then, it's turned into a barren wasteland. For one, I've blocked a million people, and two, like everyone else blocked a million people, and now we're just down to like you know. Oh really? <laughs> well, I, I still like I try. I I mean I've had some some you know I know I know what you're talking about, but I try to at least try to have an open dialogue and discuss it. Although it never ends up going well, right? Because mm-hmm. like there's no I don't know what it is, but with American culture, people have a hard time um um criticizing, taking criticisms, and just being op- having open dialogue without getting offended. <laughs> You know, I'm like, yeah. dude, if you don't talk about it, you're never going to learn from it. You're never going to grow from it. Why can't you just at least talk about it and listen? You know what I mean? And just take yeah, it Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, yeah. But, you know, everybody gets offended and, you know, so that's that's where it's at. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to do an attempt to get us back on track because I, I yeah, always do this. I'm, it's, I don't I didn't always do this, but like just, you know, these days it's so hard to avoid politics because they're so. Yeah, well, because I'm going to circle it back to, yeah, but I'm, I'll circle that back to no friend because, I mean, the whole reason why I wrote it in the um, premise of the stories is to kind of so, show the social economic differences between um, uh, the different kind of lives. If you notice, that's why I have like the, the moms that are more well-to-do in the yoga scenes. And then I have also the friends that are Chicano that are um, living in a house that, that's been their house for generations because, you know, the Mexicans um, actually owned California. You know that, right? It used to be part of Mexico. So a lot of the uh, Mexican-Americans um, actually are are native to California and they've owned these houses for a long time and they're getting pushed out because of all the um, tech and all the all the big money coming in. And it's usually, I mean, it's not specific to color, but it's usually white because that's how the socioeconomics work, yeah? And um, so then I just wanted to show the kind of vast difference of lifestyles. And also I just feel like there's a lot of um, funny that's uh, to be had. <laughs> You know, showing these stories you know i have to say that so when i was watching mill friends i was taking notes and as a matter of fact like i actually i wrote a whole interview here for you and then we have i haven't i haven't even touched my questions because i'm you're, you're you're easy to talk to you're fun to talk to and also like we just got off on some tangents but i do want to talk about mill friend and okay it's because i've had like uh quite a few stand-up comedians on this podcast and mm-hmm. uh and I know it requires like a pretty thick skin to do that kind of performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have a scene in Milfriend where you're performing stand-up comedy in a dive bar and there was a, a heckler mm-hmm. and he was yelling at you and it turns into a bar fight. Mm-hmm. And on, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, which is exactly how I imagine things would go if I ever tried to be a stand-up comedian because I, I know myself well enough to know that I don't have the psychological makeup to uh, like take that kind of like verbal abuse in a, 
like the way like some comedians can do it they can like go yeah. ah, here's a joke i would go like yeah, you know and just scream <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um and you, you did answer this a little bit but if we could get back onto that so you're up uh, by the way your character's name is pepper and mm-hmm. milfriend and i was going to ask you if you had actually done stand-up comedy if that informed the fact that uh her that your character pepper is doing that and uh, you you already did tell me that but uh yeah why did you make Pepper do stand-up comedy in Milford? Well, uh, well, because first off, I do stand-up comedy, so I know that very well. And also, like, I wanted to show, like, um, uh, like a part of it in that scene. It's like I wanted. She was bombing, you know. <laughs> she was yeah, yeah. bombing. And then and then the guy started heckling, and it kind of gave her some um, uh, a hood spot to, you know, get back, you know. Um, um, and she is like a, uh, as as you know, the, her character is a struggling actress. So that would be one of the things that she would be doing, you know, because uh, that's part yeah. of the performance thing. That's what she's, so, yeah, uh, no, I mean, I mean, I mean, spoiler alert, whatever. But that's mm-hmm. what she's trying to disc- tell the police after the bar fight that mm-hmm. uh, that you're an, yeah, or <clears throat> not you, but that Pepper, Pepper is saying she's an actress. She's like, mm-hmm. well, this is just something I'm doing because like. You know, I gotta, I gotta try it all. I gotta try everything here. Yeah, she's like, no. She was like, uh, this is what I'm trying because I thought I could have fun and have a couple of drinks. <laughs> you know. Okay, but. I. Uh, we're gonna maybe dip back into the politics stuff for, for just one second. I'm, I wrote a paragraph. It's like a, it's a, it's a freaking. It's like, I mean, a question that's like three paragraphs long, and it's about. It's about the heckler and what that heckler represents, and uh-huh. we we've been hitting that pretty hard. But basically, that heckler is a white supremacist. Played by McCool Robbins, yeah. Played <laughs> by McCool Robbins, yeah. I mean, he's he's kind of yeah. Uh, uh, I wouldn't say white supremacist per se because he wasn't like violent, you know. Uh, but you know, I think this is a lot of what, like I was saying earlier, people that are not surrounded by other people of color, you know, they are. Um, in that state of mind of like, you know, go back to your country, which, you know, I, we've all person of colors gotten, even though I'm like, dude, I was born here. So what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I was going to, I was going to, it's so funny that you said that. Cause I was going to say in the dialogue, he's like, go back to your country. And you're like, I was born in Los Angeles. Like, <laughs> it's like, where do you want where me do you to want go? Me to go? <laughs> yeah, right? So like, uh, I mean, I didn't have a, a French friend where like, she's from another country with a heavy French accent, but they would tell me to go back to my country, but they don't tell her that. So, and she you know, was hilarious. Um, was that, is that the actress that plays the French friend in that? Giselle. Yeah. Yeah. Right. She was hilarious. I loved, uh, I loved that. I loved, uh, you guys have a scene where, so I guess like you're kind of hard up for money. And she's like, well, well, I do. I'm like, I'm a clown. And she's like, we're going to go to a a children's party. And and then it's funny because your, your clown costume is ridiculous. Like what is like inflatable. (laughs) And it's, and, and while you're supposed to be like entertaining the children, all these like affluent, like, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to like be super disparaging, you know, just affluent kind of, uh yoga moms yeah, yeah. yoga moms they're, they're, they're not in touch with reality they they made the children's party into a slash let's give let's give the children to the clowns entirely and that's the supervision is the clowns while we do yoga <laughs> which is a great concept and i was like you know this probably exists it probably happens <laughs> yeah and you forget the clowns are terrorizing the kids <laughs> Well, and and that's also like you sh- or not you. I, I keep saying you, but you know what I mean. I, oh. But Pepper shows up and she 
clearly hates kids doesn't want to be a clown and the moms are like yeah get outside and all the kids you're under the supervision of this clown who hates you doesn't want to be here and is also like just smoking weed and like not paying attention it was fun it was a fun scene let me tell you but uh so the you know uh okay spoiler alert on the clown my character gets pushed into the pool right yeah yeah and the kid that pushed pushed my character in is my son and he loved it <laughs> oh that was your son i didn't know that, that. My son, oh yeah. cool of course i gotta get free labor you know what i mean i gotta work all the free labor i can so i mean i have to give so were you friends with like a lot of the uh actors in this or like i mean like i don't know I'm, like no actually no um, i had to cast all of it it was uh um uh, you know weeks of casting you know uh, yeah, I was uh, interviewing a lot of, lot of, lot of actors because as you see, it's an ensemble and there's a big cast. So okay, yeah, most of them. Uh, yeah, most of you them. You seem, you seem yeah. so like. I mean, obviously, it's. I mean, you're an actor, and obviously, it shouldn't seem that way. But I was almost like, I was curious in some ways. I was like, is this one of your friends? Like, because you know, you're so comfortable with like some of these people. Like, uh, uh, who's who's the the dude? He's like your best friend. Like, uh, oh, oh, that's Quete, Quete Yeska. Yeah, and he's actually a big rapper too. Oh, sick. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, also, that's one of the things I actually I never wrote down, but I, I when I was watching it, I that's your song, like your your intro song. It's so dope. Is that him or is that No, that is uh Don Del Don. Okay. Yeah, that he's a big famous uh Puerto Rican um uh, uh singer. Okay, yeah. it, it was new to me, so I was just like, This is because it's hot. It's like yeah, bah, bah, bah. And I was like, every yeah. every time a new episode starts, you're just like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 I don't know if you're talking about the, the theme song. Are you talking yeah, about theme the song. theme song? Yeah, that's Don Del Don. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. sick. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Quete Yeska, yeah, I cast him too. And you know, um uh his part, Quete Yeska's part, and also Giselle, the uh, my uh, French friend, those were the two hardest characters to cast. Um, and actually, uh, um, Giselle was harder than Cuetesca's character because, you know, as you know, um, uh, my best friend, what he plays, you know, uh, spoiler alert again, you know, he's supposed to be kind of like tough cholo by day and a drag queen by night. Yeah, so- that was a big surprise to me. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so was, I thought, out of yeah. nowhere. <laughs> yeah, but he came in and he just like blew us away and he was so funny and trying to find somebody uh, that could be all tough and funny at the same time that's willing to put on a dress. I mean, that wasn't easy, yeah. you know, um, but then uh, just trying to find a French actress to play funny was even more difficult, which I was kind of shocked because um, a lot of the French actresses would come in and they wanted to do like some French melodrama. <laughs> and I was like, you know, this is a comedy, right? I'm like, why are you being so dramatic? <laughs> oh, so, so you were being very like uh, adhering to like it had to be an actual French actress. It couldn't just be someone who could do a French accent. It had to be. Like, no, I mean, they could they could do a French accent. But I mean, uh, I couldn't really find somebody that was that could do. You know what I mean? That that could pull yeah. off the all the, yeah, yeah, was, do all the lines. Yeah. That's, that's a hard mm-hmm. that's, that's a hard accent to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially in not not being over dramatic like a french new wave film (laughs) hold up it's time to reach into the mailbag every week on the show we check the mailbag to see if anyone has written into the show and then we read the message out loud however this week it's a little different because i have a voicemail and i'm just gonna go ahead and just play the voicemail for this week's mailbag 
Hello, Doug. It is our French Pierre. How is the podcast? Also, would you like to start another lawsuit in the U.S. court system? You may be entitled to one million francs and a do not stay at the Fontainebleau Hotel. As always, best wishes, mon frère. Do not hesitate. Au revoir. Thanks for writing to the show, French Pierre, attorney at law. And yeah, man, I do feel like starting another lawsuit. This week, let's sue Fox News because... Fuck them. That's why. And now back to the interview. Um, one more thing, like to talk about, like, because uh, right now, like, I've watched it. You made it, and so we're like, uh, kind of reminiscing on like uh, how fun, it, like, fun it is to watch. But for everyone like this listening, they haven't seen this, so I guess we, I do have to ask you, like, uh, what is Milf Friend, and like, what would you describe? Like, what do you have like a kind of like a short yeah. way to just describe it? before we kind of move forward well i want to say i guess it's kind of like family guy (laughs) (laughs) family guy meets like i don't know like a mom show (laughs) i don't know but it's like you're punk rock like you got like yeah you're like wearing a like i can't remember like a a jean jacket like most of the (laughs) (laughs) it was like i usually was a harem pants she wears and um like a, a a vest with like punk stuff on it and then you know the shoes i did that on purpose that um those uh those boots you know the punk boots yeah um, um with the red lace i guess that means something and it's actually very racist and i was like oh is that I a skinhead to- thing yeah so i wanted <clears throat> to take that back and that's why i also named it milf friend because i wanted to take milf back so like when guys are up at two in the morning you know looking up milf i wanted my show to pop up <laughs> is, i love that so much but yeah, uh, that's that's dope as fuck that you took back the uh, the skinhead boots. I recognize a little bit, but I wasn't sure exactly where that was coming from. So that's cool. Uh, thanks for validating my uh, little little uh, Easter egg there. And um, I guess like uh, just like I mean, just a little bit more about it too. Like like you're saying, like you had to do a, a ton of casting and uh, like. But the question I guess I have maybe is because like. We've gone all my questions that I wrote kind of like have gone out the window because we've like <laughs> blown them to pieces. You've, you've answered like little parts of almost everything that I did, right? So now I'm have to awesome. use like I'm gonna have to use my brain, and that's gonna be real tough for me. Okay, well, uh, let me tell you, as far as like my son, I'm saying that it was free labor. Actually, I had to pay. I had to pay him, <laughs> you know, because this was all all under the sad contract and stuff like that. And I was like, what? It's my son. I gotta pay my own son. That's oh my, damn, my... he's a sag actor. That's awesome. Uh, like he's he wasn't, but you know, under the whole I'm under the new media contract, you still have. I mean, you have to. You have yeah. to pay everybody, and with the labor laws and stuff. So yeah. Well, I must say that I am a strong supporter of unions in all forms that they come in. And I, the first time I'd ever become familiar with uh, SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, was the, pers- the first time that I'd gone to Los Angeles. Uh, uh, I was very, very young. I was like 18-ish, 19, something like that. You know, I was really young. I went there to my, visit my friend. Uh, he had lived here and they moved out there. And mm-hmm. then I, he was staying in this apartment building. Everyone was an actor. And... Uh, <laughs> They were having that sounds parties. like my 20s <laughs> yeah but i was like but i was meeting all these actors and like uh some some pretty cool guys and they were talking about because they, i guess i don't know i don't know how hard it is to get a sad card or if it's hard at all but they were talking about like they were talking about their friend and how he was he was lazy and bitching about how he couldn't be an actor and they're like man just get your sad card and just 
do as as much as you possibly can and you can at least get by because there's always something and i'm not sure if that's true or not but that was just my first time i ever heard of a sag card or uh mm -hmm. the screen actors guild in general i was already like, i was already an adult i never heard of it until then oh wow yeah yeah i mean uh i don't know what the rules are now but you know back when i got it you have there was like all these different ways to get it i guess it all depends it's just all depends on you and your timing and how lucky you are i mean a lot of the business is how lucky you are and your timing you know it, it, no matter how it's not how hard you work or how talented you are it's somebody once told me which i wish i would have taken to heart is who you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know so yeah. <clears throat> oh okay so i will talk shit about trump one last time and i won't say his fucking name right. again because you know right. that dude should be history but he's not quite yet because he just yeah, he's in the news today. I'm like, yeah, he just every time I, see fucking, it, I just gotta delete it. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you what, man. If you if you if you look at the history of fascist uprisings, the the line you can draw across history, the one the, mo the most clear one is Adolf Hitler in the beer hall putsch. And if you don't know what that is, look it up. And it's exactly what the uh, insurrection on the sixth was. It was like some clown ass shit, mm -hmm. and the cops were involved, so on and so forth. Yeah, you beer know, hall putsch. Beer Hall Butch. Is that what you said? Beer uh, Hall Butch. Butch. It's it's Butch. Uh, okay. It was it was yeah. uh, Adolf Hitler's first attempt at overthrowing Bavaria before oh, he before okay. he took, before he took uh, Germany. It was a gigantic failure, but it was very similar to like the attempt of them to take over the capital in the six. So that was a gigantic failure. But everyone okay. laughed at him and thought they were silly and they just kind of mm -hmm. like, whatever. And they gave Hitler like a. They're like, oh, he's just he's just a patriot, man. Give him a fucking mm -hmm. chance, you know. Yeah. And then you know. Uh, a few years later, he's creating concentration camps and creating, you know, one of the, the yeah. most hideous re regimes of all time. And yeah. so, um, yeah, a lot of people right now, like that are look, historians and people that understand like a lot of what's, uh, you know, what mm -hmm. fascist uprisings are. Yeah, it's happening here in America. It's something we got to look well, at. It's already happened. I mean, we've already have concentration camps down by the border. I yeah. agree with you entirely. Yeah. <laughs> you know how many people I have had? A, uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, earlier when we were talking about like uh, when this. With the social media stuff, how many people I blocked when they were like uh, calling me like foolish for calling them concentration camps? I was like, you know, I don't care what your language is, man. I can call it this or you can call it that, but it's the same exact thing. It's yeah, you know, it's awful. Yeah. yeah. Um, but shit, <laughs> I do want to talk <laughs> about the fact that you you were talking about uh, you know you were a, a voice for the voiceless. Sometimes uh, you talk about uh, how things can be. Uh, you know, there's there's so many levels of racism and there's so many different colors of racism i guess is mm -hmm. one way to put it and yeah it's very nuanced you know and if you're not yeah. attuned to it you could just blow right by it and don't even notice it and i know? think uh hollywood gets a pass but it doesn't necessarily deserve it and i think what we're going to say is and this is the last thing i'll say about trump i'm not bringing him up again he's out he's out of this conversation all right it's just you and me <laughs> but i will say that you know we did have a president of the united states you know go on live television and say shit like kung flu yeah, you know, which is was a, which is a call to violence yeah. against Asian Americans. Yeah, which is happening right now. Yeah, and you know, which is yeah, and it's and it's only getting worse because these, yeah, Asians are getting attacked. These fucking freaks you know? and these QAnons mm -hmm. right here. Yeah, uh, you know, and and uh, I don't know. Last summer was in, incredible for me because I went to a lot of like Black Lives ah, Black Lives Matters protests, and mm -hmm. I was like, hey man, things are changing in a good way. But at the same time, my eyes were getting more open to like. Hey, this like we just said, it's on many levels and it's on many colors. Yeah, yeah. And it's the whole system, you know. The whole system was created um to serve, you know, the ones that are already in power. So 
you know, the the whole system needs uh, to be reshaped, you know, to be more fair, to be to be more equitable, you know. I think, uh, but I want to I want to like uh, look at it from a, a perspective we almost never look at, and that's uh, people think that Hollywood is still a haven uh, of uh, tolerance and intellectualism, no. and it's because it's no. portrayed that way. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> and I, and I was gonna. Uh, I can't speak to it. I've never been there and I've never been an Asian actor and I've oh, honestly, I've never, no. I've never worked in Hollywood. Well, just, but, uh, just like, just like the rest of the uh, um, United States and probably the world, they'll just, you just have to look at the system and see who's running it. It's the same thing in Hollywood. It's the same people running that's yeah. has the power in Hollywood. So, you know, and I, I, as I said before, it's human nature to want to be, um, around people that you could relate to so then they keep telling their story and um they keep hiring their what they're comfortable with you know so yeah no <laughs> yeah so that's why i mean the america's diversity is uh, so i mean i don't i don't think it's even going to be 10 years from now when um uh, a per- people of color are going to outweigh um white americans but if, but then the, if you look at the amount of stories being told in Hollywood, it, most of it is still um, white stories, you know. So bringing it back to, I mean, I can't change the fact that this is the first uh, film review we're going to do on my bonus episodes. But we watched uh, <laughs> the Lost Boys, and according to you know Hollywood in 1987, there are, as far as the story is concerned, there are only white men in it. Uh, <laughs> there are. Yeah, so, okay, white men are the only ones that get to, like, have any kind of, like, uh, uh, effect on the story itself. Yeah. Uh-huh. But you can have, a, like, you can have a couple women, but they have to be white, too. And one of them has to be the, the bumbling, stupid mom that the... Yeah, because it's from are... the white man's perspective, right? Yeah. And it's, like, all they know is their mom and who they're having <laughs> sex with and their daughters, right? So then that's who they keep representing. You know? That's a, that's that weird ass shit those motherfuckers keep saying. They go, "I love my mom, I love my sister, but I'm the you know." But it's like you're a fucking rapist, dude. Like it doesn't matter that you love your mom <laughs> and your sister. That's not that's not relevant Wait. to what I'm saying. So who's this? <laughs> who's the rapist? Who? Oh, Harvey Weinstein. I don't know. Oh, Man, Harvey Weinstein. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh no, I was uh, I was just trying to say that that's like a a common uh, defense mechanism. Yeah, well, uh, I love in that. My, in yeah. that in that world i'm, I'm not I, don't, I wasn't calling anybody out specifically although i guess i can call it harvey Weinstein. he's an easy target man that dude is <laughs> done for but you know what i mean oh, like yeah. uh shit man i got way too political <laughs> <laughs> you keep saying you're not gonna do it and you keep going there <laughs> uh hey but it's you know partly it's because you like you said man you uh a lot of your art represents a lot of what we're talking about so yeah i know it does definitely yeah but uh, but i do want to talk more about what your art is and you also have a series called uh health x create which i discovered heal heal by create i know it's yeah the x is by okay (laughs) it's like the cool way of going by you know heal by create not bad uh but but what is heal by create is that it's it was kind of like a um uh um uh, docu interview series that I did um, um, to 
uh, help people and even myself um, deal with stress, anxiety, and like PTSD, and by by actually creating something. Because like I, I for me like whenever I'm making something and creating something, that's when I don't have the issues of stress, anxiety, and PTSD as much. You know what I'm saying? Like that helps it. So I'm like, so by creating something, maybe you could heal. So that was the whole idea of that. And then I I asked them like how they deal with it, you know, how, or if they have any advice. And I know I even talked to a, a therapist at one, one of the episodes where she gives tons of really great advice on how to deal with it, you know? So yeah. that's what that was about. Yeah. Okay, cool. I was just, just a little bit curious. Like, I mean, I found it, uh, it wasn't something that like, because you know i had been speaking with your agent before i even spoke with you and so like it wasn't something that was like uh presented to me but it was something that i just found just like oh yeah, looking at all yeah. your stuff and you know oh, you're very you're you. a very interesting person you got a lot going on more than more oh, than uh uh just meets the immediate eye if you just look a little bit further <laughs> yeah well wait till you see my <laughs> hawaiian adventure one. <laughs> uh, i can't oh but i do have to ask you uh so this is just i don't know if this is your brand but i mm-hmm. want to know uh <laughs> Which is yo mama rice? Is yeah, that, is that like rice. is that like your your brand? Is that like what you kind of yeah. everything is under? Uh huh. Yeah, that that's what. Yeah, I'm working towards making it everything under yo mama rice because I kept being split in a bunch of places. Um, so I'm like, yeah. okay, let's try to put it under one thing, and then I I also wanted to take the whole yo mama jokes back. That's yeah. why I made it yo mama, <laughs> and then I like rice. So there you go, yo mama rice. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, uh, you answered the second question I was gonna ask. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit in the same boat because you know i do i do a lot of like i'm i'm a creative guy and i do a lot of art and stuff uh but i feel like i'm i'm trying to put everything under the umbrella of this podcast itself just because it's like because i made a website for it and it's a great place to just like i think maybe you're kind of doing the same thing you're like hey yeah. i do a lot why not have mm-hmm. like one uh focal point and then anyone that's interested in any other thing i do then go to this focal point yeah. branch out from there and you can see what yeah. you want to see yeah it's so hard because as a creative and you're creative and i know many creative people it's like we don't just do one thing you know we create yeah. a lot of different and in a lot of different ways so um just to say like oh you're a musician or you're an actor or you're a writer it's just so hard to um peg yourself into one hole you know yeah. so i mean i kind of call myself i guess a hyphen <laughs> um, you know? oh oh, oh I, I know this word uh multi-hyphenate yeah, multi-hyphenate. I learned that from a, a past guest. I don't know, it's just a, uh, <laughs> I had forgotten all about it. I learned that and I was like, oh, that's a cool word. I want to use it. Yeah. And I. Uh, yeah, so that's what you are. That's what I am. Yeah, <laughs> we're multi-hyphenates. <laughs> all right. So I know, first of all, I messed up our timing on uh, this podcast, whatever. Oh, no worries. But I do have to say, we are getting dangerously close to the lightning round yeah i know i gotta gotta go get my kid the the great thing about the lightning round is is i don't know if you know the rules of this but i ask you questions super fast you answer them as fast as you can you can't think and we're gonna burn through it and then uh that's gonna be that's gonna be the the all right all right all right all right let's see what i see what i came up with so i've had a few jobs in my life where i have just straight up refused to wear the kind of uniform that a company wants their employees to wear. Oh. Have you ever showed up to sit for uh, like a commercial job and then seen the costume they're expecting to wear and you're just like, fuck, you know? No, no not for a commercial job, of course, because as an actor, like I have to dress, you know, up to 
impress whatever character that they're looking for if I want the job, right? Yeah. So not for commercial jobs, but before I started working as an actor, I've actually had thousands of different kind of jobs to survive. And one of the jobs that I hated that they made us wear, and I think it's very sexist, was a company called Coco's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they made all the women wear nylon stockings. Nylon stockings. Is that I've a restaurant seen... or what is yeah, Coco? You know, Coco's, you know, the Coco's where they have pies. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> you know, okay, well, they have that on the West Coast. That must so be I... just, I mean, it's, I, a, I... it's, a, it's, a, it's a chain. <laughs> I got the restaurants I like on the West Coast, and I don't really explore outside of the ones. Like, I oh, like, okay. uh, was it? Yeah, it's uh, kind of like the Denny's town or some shit. Yeah, it's kind of like Denny's, <laughs> but like they're specialized in pies, and you know, I mean, they're 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 not bad, but like, uh, I just didn't like the rule of like you have to wear nylon stocking. And first off, they're expensive, and a fucked after, up rule too, right? And, and then guys <laughs> don't have to wear it. And yeah. then on top of it, like my legs are totally fine. I have beautiful legs. I don't need to wear stockings to cover yeah. them up. And um, you know, they run every time after you wear it. So like you have to buy a new one like every other day or wear running nylon stockings, which is kind of you know messed up. And that's not like a budget that they give you to buy you know that's something you have to pay out of your minimum wage salary so that's kind of something <laughs> all right you heard it here first coco's get rid of your outdated bullshit ass uniform or else no one's gonna eat your stupid fucking pies <laughs> yeah or, or have the men also wear the freaking nylon stockings and see how long they last <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man that would be something i do not want to see while i'm eating like a bunch of the hairy ass legs and some <laughs> all right <laughs> What is the stupidest line you've ever read in a script, but we're just like, all right, I'm a professional. I have to do this anyway. Oh it's like goodness. you had to deliver that line, even though it sucked and it was dumb. Dude, I, I, there's just so many. I don't think I can think of all of them. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> yeah, right? A lot of them. I mean, especially, I mean, I think now they're being more cognizant to that, but like just stuff where you don't speak any, oh, no, speak English, you know, that kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. You had to say that one time oh yeah all that stuff yeah yeah you had to yeah. say i don't know i'm not even i'm not gonna even say what you just said <laughs> <laughs> that's fucked up man <laughs> all right man well you heard it here first she said it i'm not gonna say it uh people writing the scripts don't write that you monsters <laughs> all, right. all right so uh here's an idea because like you know i i get out i get out your way every once in a while not that often but you know like you know if uh if fortune favors me, I might be out in Hawaii again someday. Uh, oh yeah, you're you're always welcome to come visit me here. <laughs> I would absolutely love to, and I'd love for us to do this. Uh, I heard about a race that happens annually in the Hawaiian Islands, and basically, uh, you start on the uh, on one side of an island, you ride your bike to the other side, you jump on a surfboard, and then you oh, paddle wow. to the next island, and you immediately get back on a bicycle. It's probably yours. I don't know how they do this. Probably with boats to like get ahead of you. Uh, ride to the other side of that island. Get on a surfboard and so on to the finish line, which is the final island. So it's basically like it's a bicycle surfboard race. So you're like, oh you bike across the island, get on a surfboard, and you just paddle the open ocean to the next fucking island and then do it again. Are you going to uh, sign up for that race with me or what? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> what? <All right. laughs> you heard it here first. Judy's not going to do this gnarly ass <laughs> race with me. And I'll I'm watch. Also, 
I'll watch I'm, it. I'll cheer. Yeah, I would straight up drown my and die, but you know what? I would give it a shot. I'd train for it. Okay. I'm, I'm a strong swimmer. Oh, I have another Hawaii question. Uh, uh, so I don't know if you know this, but uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, uh, you know the Rock. Yes, the Rock. Yeah, who doesn't <laughs> you know, know the Rock? Bro? So he, he went to my high school. Oh and, wow. Uh, do you think he was sad when his parents told him that he had to move away from Hawaii? to go to high school in Nashville because I was sad that I had to go to high school in Nashville and I had never even seen Hawaii <laughs> at that point. <laughs> Probably. I mean, like, he's, is he back here now? Is he in Nashville or is he in Hawaii now? Uh, I think he was, he, was, he was here very, he's a little bit older than me. I like, we didn't go to high school at the same time because he's a, okay. a good number of years older than me. So, but uh, I know that he went to my high school, but uh, yeah, he wasn't like living in Hawaii, going to high school. And his parents were like, yeah, you're going to high school in Nashville. <laughs> like, where it's why, like, did, why did they do that? I don't know, man. I don't know the rock. I just know that he went to my high school. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all, right. <laughs> all right. You heard it here first. Uh, me and Judy both agree. He probably was sad about that decision. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, Nashville, you guys have really good uh, music, right? And also barbecue. I'm assuming. <laughs> uh, 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 man, I can't speak to that on like a uh, like a total level, but like, yeah, we got some great, great musicians here. But those are like more like the kind of shit you don't know about. Like these are like. Oh, okay. Uh, so this is a question I've been asking here and there, and I'm just gonna ask it again because like the the answers I get are worth asking it for. Uh, okay. What do you think is the best mid-sized car on the market? Mid-sized car on the market. I will say what is not the best mid-sized car ever. Fuck Tesla. Fuck <laughs> <But> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Elon, give me, give me, Elon, give, give some in-world hunger, Elon. Jesus <laughs> right, like, like, if you're like, going to be gonna driving. I'm going to go to Mars. Right? I'm going to go to fucking Mars. Dude, in-world <laughs> hunger, you fuck. I'm sorry. But not even that. Like, if you're going to be driving a white Tesla in Kauai in the jungle, uh, I don't know. Maybe you should reconsider. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? That's one of my favorite answers. <laughs> that that happened in like that, that ended up in the lightning round of the very first episode of this podcast of Alt. And then uh, it was a, a DJ, a friend of mine. He's very, very fucking dope dude, well known, whatever guy. And he was like, I don't fucking know. I hate cars. And I was like, no, I might ask that. I don't know for a while. And then 20 episodes later, I asked another person and they answered it. They had a, they had an opinion. And then okay. I asked again, and like, I had an opinion. Like, people actually have opinions. And then I asked the person right before you. And he was like, I don't, I hate fucking cars. And I was like, hmm, it's only about, I guess, like, if this is a pattern, then you would have a, an opinion. <laughs> but as a matter of fact, I love that your opinion is uh, Elon Musk. Shut up. Uh, I, I think I'm his biggest uh, troll. <laughs> All right. We're competing. We're competing for that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that title. <laughs> I'm going after Mark Gore. I was going after Jeff Bezos for a long time, but now Elon's the richest man in the world sitting here not sharing. So, okay. <laughs> you know, whoever sits on that throne, get trolled. No, no. <laughs> uh, Judy, it's been a pleasure. I know you got to go. I know you got to get yeah. your kid. I know all that. But before Great you go, you have to tell to everyone how they can find you, how they can see you, how they can see all your art, all your uh, everything you do. Well, uh, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram under Yo Mama Rice. That's Y-O-M-A-M-A-R-I-C-E. And also YoMamaRice.com and on YouTube. Yo Mama Rice does not cook. All right. <laughs> you guys heard that. Yo Mama Rice, it ain't that hard to remember. But if you forget it and you're like, ah, oh, what was it? 
if you're like a big follower of me, it's not that hard to just like, you know, just go to my website or my Instagram or whatever, and it'll be linked. So. All right. Thank you so much, Doug. Thank you for a lovely hour. Thank you, Judy. Uh, I'm glad we finally made this happen. Yep, yep. And take care. Stay, stay warm. Oh, yeah, I will. I will. We got heat back. We got to have heat again. We're good. All, All right. right. You, you have a great rest of your uh, afternoon. You too. Thank you. Thank Bye. you, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to My Views of My Own. Our outro song this week is XX Dream by Nova Halo. Uh, you can contact me at myviewsaremyown.com or on Instagram at myviewsaremyown underscore podcast or on Twitter at myviews underscore podcast. And once again, from London, this is Nova Halo XX Dream. <laughs>